Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrar? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi guys, thank you for joining us for the first time or coming back and checking us out again. Either way, we are glad you are here. We have a great show for you this week. Uh, my guest in the ADD interview is from Sirius XM Radio, the Ron Bennington Show. It's the man himself, Ron Bennington. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week. 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Jared. Jared is in Utah, and he's a very nice man who keeps sending me emails saying, come to Utah. I like Utah. I would go to Utah. Hello, Jared from Utah. Hey, Jared. What's happening, Jared? Jared, those are the voices of the people I love. My beautiful wife, Alex. Hello. Uh, my pal and pod producer, Marcus Stern. Triple P. Howdy, my friend. And my lifelong friend, Phil Tag. How are you, baby? I'm good, man. How you doing? Don't call me baby. All right, sweet thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there, sweet cheeks. <laughs> All right, buttercup. All right. Uh, yeah, and I, of course, I am your host. My name is Adam. Please <laughs> shut your friggin' mind off. <laughs> uh, you guys. It's, so I'm talking to Ron and uh, Patrice O'Neill, who was a great comic and a friend of mine, came up uh, in, in the interview, and you guys will hear it later. And uh, one of the things that struck Ron in the interview was he said he knew what he wanted out of life. And that that stuck with me after I did this interview. And uh, I realized when I'm thinking, like, OK, that that's to know what you want out of life. And I, I realized I I just want to be able to friggin enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would like to be able to do. And I and I've been around long enough to realize that I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm looking at life. I'm looking at me and I'm thinking to myself, well, life is probably just saying, look, I've been here before you. I'm going to be here after you. You got to adjust to me. Which is true because I figured out 
it's my thoughts that drive me crazy. It's my, I can't shut my mind off. Well, okay. So you can't shut it off, mm-hmm. but how about what you're thinking? Can you switch that around? No. See, here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> here's the problem. I grew up in an atmosphere where my default setting is worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I grew up. You, if you would call my house after nine o'clock at night, my mother would pick up the phone like this. Who's dead? Survival mode. Yeah, it's, always, it's, like, it's like I'm in a psychological guard tower. <laughs> I'm up there just looking for, looking for anything that could emotionally attack me. Because if I can get there first, I won't be vulnerable. I, I don't I, it's 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 irrational. I know mm-hmm. it, but that's the default setting I have. It even even when we go for our walks. Mm-hmm. My wife and I walk around the neighborhood, I look at the houses going, I can get snipers up in there. <laughs> <laughs> if if we make that the bedroom, no one will get to us. I'll sleep by the window so they do come in. I can stop them. And if I can't kill him, at least you'll get a head start. I wish he was kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not kidding. I know that. Yeah. You know how bad it is? Mark, we were talking the other day. Mark Mark yells when he's driving. He's like, sweetest guy you ever want to meet is Mark Stern. You put him behind the wheel of a car, mm. I'll cut you. Well, just... A lot of people do that. Not like Mark. Mark scares me. Yeah. And, and you know what? The problem is, so I will be... At a stoplight, right? And somebody will block the box, which to me is the greatest sin you can commit in all of humanity. For those who know what blocking the box is, mm-hmm. you roll through the light, the light changes, and you're still, nobody can move. So now you've screwed it up for everybody. And what I do is I lean on my horn through the entire duration of that traffic light. 30 seconds, three minutes, doesn't matter. I'm on my horn the whole time. And the problem is, is I usually have the Beatles playing underneath me while I'm screaming at these people, what is wrong with you? You're blocking the box. I can't stand you, you SOP. Move it. It is love. <laughs> yeah. Let it be. <laughs> I would never think Mark's that guy. Yeah, he's that guy. Man. Yeah. So I'm working on that. Well, I'm working on those anger issues. You should, I know you're working on yourself and you don't want to be that way. At least you're yelling at traffic. I'm in my car yelling at the past. That's how screwed <laughs> up I am. I'm replaying stuff in my head mm-hmm. and getting angry all over again. And I'm changing my roles to things that I should have said in that scenario. Of course. Yeah. You got you to stop looking in the rear view, Adam. Yeah. Ah, that's funny. Yeah. And I swear to God, though. All we're trying to do and all I want for you, man, mm-hmm. I do want your your mind to stop working in overdrive all the time. And I want you to enjoy life more. All I want you to do is just get closer to fine. That's, I think, your whole progress is just getting closer to well, fine. You know what? That is, that is very kind of you, and I thank you as my friend for, for, for wanting that for me. I think the first step in making me get there was maybe stop quoting the Indigo Girls. I, <laughs> that's what you come up with? A, a lyric from the Indigo Girls? Close? Yeah. Fine. This is how you're going to help me. Yeah, go, back to the, go back to the Beatles. Yes. Go back to the yeah, Beatles. What is that from? That, that's a, it's an Indigo Girls song. Just because it's from an Indigo Girls doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> Listen, I understand your suffering. I understand your pain. I wish nothing for you but mbop. <laughs> I do have to say, music does put anyone in a good mood. So it could change what you're thinking. Yeah. Well, Mark will listen mm-hmm. to the Beatles and cut somebody's throat with a smile on it. <laughs> that's, that's a bit perplexing, Mark. We have to talk later. <laughs> yes, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But that's what I would want out of life. I would like to just be because in being, there's the joy of living and not 
uh, the biggest thing that it took me a long time to learn that worry is not responsibility. I, I got taught, do good for others. Yeah, it doesn't work. It works. You just don't want to do it. I, I just I just need a bag of cash. Oh, man. Yeah, I totally relate to the not stop. You don't stop. I mean, this is why I won't drive with you. I will not be a passenger in your car because then you have to drop me at home. And you never drop me at home because you want to keep going. You got thought. You go around my block. I go, there goes my building. What are you doing? That's my building right there. That's my building. Now, you, you, now I got another thought. You keep going around and around. An hour later, mm-hmm. I yeah. want to go home. I know. Does he have the child lock on? Yeah, he can't get out of the car. <laughs> jump out of the what am I, evil Knievel? I'm not jumping out of the yeah, car. Well, well, here's the thing. Part of it is 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 I need to talk to you. The other part is it pisses you off. So <laughs> it's a ladder. But uh, but yeah, it, that question struck me in this interview uh, with Ron Bennington. He's a really he's a really deep guy. Uh, like I said, he hosts his radio show. He was a stand up. He owned a comedy club. Yeah, Bennington's in Clearwater, man. I used because I started in West Palm, and when I was a young comic, it was just a great club to work. It was always a great like name headliner, so it was always a great crowd. It was just a great room, and he would come in. You know, when he had the Ron and Ron show, he'd come in and host, and it was just so cool. And the, the one thing I admire most about Bennington is his ability to improv with the audience. I mean, I've seen a lot of guys that who are really good. You're including you, Adam. You're really good at that too. But he would um, he had this phone on stage, Bennington. And he would, he would do things like, you know, it was piped in through the audio in the room. So he would like, uh, he'd ask the audience, who wants a pizza? You know, and they'd be like, ah, yeah, we want pizza. And he would call Domino's and go, can I get a large pepperoni? And can you cut it in 200 slices? <laughs> <laughs> and and That's the place great. would house. So, yeah, he always did these gags with the phone and it was great. So I'm working with uh, Tommy Chong one week and Chong um, is on stage and it's just not going well for Tommy. It's just, you know, he's dying. and um, you know, he's, he's making fun of himself and that's kind of getting some laughs and Bennington yells out, why don't you call Cheech? And Chong goes, what man? He goes, why don't you call Cheech? And Chong, he goes, Oh, I can use this phone. So he picks the phone up. I don't know how long it had been since he, he and Cheech weren't talking, but, um, he calls Cheech Marin. Cheech answers the phone. The whole audience hears it. They go nuts. Those two guys for about a half an hour just went back and forth and just, it was so cool. And That's it worked awesome. so well. They did it every single night, every single show he called Cheech. And they did these, like the Santa Claus gag and all that kind of shit. But that was Bennington, like, you know, recognizing that it wasn't going that well for Tommy. And he bailed him out. It was just a really cool thing to, to watch. Wow. Do you think that rekindled their friendship? I mean, it definitely got them talking again. And it was just a cool thing to hear them together. It was just really cool. That's very cool. Very cool. You know, I have a Cheech and Chong story. Mm-hmm. But more really? Cheech. Yeah. So you have a Cheech story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bill makes fun of me because I meet all these people in weird ways. And this was <laughs> another one. Uh, I was living in Malibu and Cheech was my neighbor. I didn't know that until he showed up at my door, knocked on my door and said, welcome to the neighborhood. And if you ever want to borrow a cup of pot, you know who to come to. <laughs> <laughs> a cup of pot. Uh huh. My neighbors don't say that to me. I'm just going to be straight honest with you guys. <laughs> Keep the noise down, Stern. What are you doing in there? <laughs> How many cats are living in that apartment? Goodness. Is that the Indigo Girls? What are you doing in there? <laughs> Get out of my box. <laughs> <laughs> don't block my box. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, our neighbors say you can't park there. I really enjoyed uh, talking to Ron. I think you guys are really going to get a lot of this interview. So give a listen to this, and we'll see you on the other side.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. How can we break the addiction to negative thinking? So there must be a small degree of awareness from which you are able to witness whatever is happening i'm in my car yelling at the past <laughs> that's how <laughs> you're listening to the adam ferrara podcast good god this is 30 minutes you'll never get back hi guys i am heading back out on the road to do stand-up did you hear that that was alex saying thank god i will be at bananas in hasbrook heights new jersey october 16th and 17th I will be at Comics at the Mohegan Sun Casino October 22nd through the 24th. And October 30th, I will be at Soul Joel's Amphitheater in Royersford, Pennsylvania. I don't know if I said that right, but that's where I'm going to be. I'll put a link to tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the ticket link there. If you can make any of these gigs, please come up and say hello after the show. I would like to thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. And I'll stay six feet away from you because I know where I've been. I'm doing this for you. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is someone I love to talk to. He's a writer. He's a comedian. He's one of my favorite radio shows, The Ron Bennington Show on Sirius. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Ron Bennington. What a pleasure to be here with you. And, uh, you know, I'm used to being a top, but I'm glad to be a bottom for you. I'm really <laughs> ready to... This is, this is so rare because I rarely do any other, you know, shows. I know. I just do my own show. I yeah. know. That, that's the thing. You, you have this air of mystery about you, Mr. Bennington. I know, and I'm blowing it. I'm ruining that entire thing. <laughs> it's all going to shit now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one one of the things I love about you. I was first of all, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, one of the things I love about you is there is this mystique that I want to get into, but um, I want to give everyone the background of you first. Um, you, uh, we met um, at WNEW when I was coming in to do Opie and Anthony. Yes. And uh, the, we, the show was called Ron and Fez then. Right. And uh, I started listening. And, uh, and then we, we, we met and I did the show a couple of times there. And, and I, was, I was struck by 
the love that you two had for each other, if anyone remembers sure. the Ron and Fez show, it was, and I always gravitate to that. My friend Phil Tagg was on the show with me as well. He's, he's my best friend. And, um, and it's very much a, 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 an odd couple, Abbott and Costello kind of, I'm going to wind you up because you make me laugh, but you're still my best friend in the world kind of thing. And I, I always sense that yeah. about you and Fez. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had uh, we had that relationship on the air, but we still have that relationship off the air now. I talk to him all the time, uh, and uh, he was always the guy that could really, really make me laugh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously he'd been through a lot mm-hmm. uh, mentally, physically, spiritually. Even being in retirement, he is under the same stress as when he worked every day. You know what I mean? So yeah. at some point in the day, I got to go, oh, yeah, well, you know, maybe your sister didn't mean that, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, even with this quarantine, I'm still overworked, underappreciated. Now I'm not making right. any money. Forget. Right, yeah. Nothing changes, right? Nothing. Yeah. You would think everything would change completely. It doesn't. No. You know, we're still stuck with ourselves. Yeah, I got a sneaking suspicion, Ron, that it's it's me. Yes. I'm starting to believe that myself. And you might have been the thing that set off the whole planet. You know, when I really when I when I really think of what did this, I think it was your worries. Yeah. Oh God, the, yeah. Yeah. This I actually had this thought, Ron. I was uh, I I worry um because I was like, you know, I remember thinking to myself, I just want to get off the road, I want to spend more time home with my wife. I, I meant series regular. I didn't mean global <laughs> pandemic. That's the kind of guilt I have. But that, that's one of the reasons I love coming in to do the radio show is because I always feel safe to do your show. Right. You, you, you project that. And I think that comes from you. And I, I want to get into it, but I want to give the uh, the audience some background before we get there. You uh, you grew up in Philly, which I never knew. I always thought you were a Florida guy. Well, I was uh, Delaware County right outside of Philly. Went mm-hmm. down to Florida probably in my early 20s. Uh, kind of felt like I wanted to retire. Went to the West Coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I did gig culture for a while and then uh, got into stand-up and got into radio. Yeah. And I rem- and you had a club, too. You had Bennington's Comedy yes. Club. Yeah, I started that, and that's what got me into radio. Yeah, I remember. I did the club. I never did it with you. I never met you there, but I remember doing the club when I was a kid. And um, in, in talking to you, you, you mentioned you used to take the comics to the radio shows on Friday because we all had to do radio. Right. And they kept yeah. you. <laughs> yes. Well, you know... You can kind of probably remember this, like before podcasting, mm-hmm. a lot of comics were really bad on the radio when I would bring my comics in mm-hmm. and they'd be like, I'm not doing my material, right. you know, because I'm going to be doing it tonight. And they would be stiff. A lot of guys would be stiff. Yeah. Podcasting uh, has really, really helped comics be funnier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I never understood, you know, I, it's like I wouldn't go on and do my act, but I would go on and fit in. You know, it was the conversation. Right. I think for me, I learned that early on. Like, they didn't want me to perform. They just wanted me to fit in and be funny. Yeah, eat up some of that time. That's all you want from anybody that comes in. Help me eat up some of this four hours a day. It's <laughs> exhausting. I got, <laughs> and I got to do it again tomorrow. Yes. And I have nothing left. I have nothing to talk to you people about. So a new face was always great. Mm-hmm. So you're doing a radio show. You, you go and they, they keep you, but you're still doing stand-up. And you were doing stand-up with, uh, with two guys that I, I think are, are, are hysterical and still make me laugh. Carla Bow. Uh, Carla Bow. Yeah, I met in Florida. 
Yeah, and Jimmy Schubert. Jimmy Schubert. But, you know, I met them after. They came out a little later. When I first started, we put together with some kind of people before I even had the club that, that you went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would bring Lauderdale guys over to work. Right. And I remember the, the first guy I think we brought over was Jeff Garland. Mm-hmm. And then the following week, uh, Brian Regan and John Manfalotti. Oh. So, you know, these were really strong uh, guys, but all very young. Everybody was very green, but really good people. Yeah. So you're, uh, you're on the road. You're doing stand-up. You're doing the radio show. And yeah. you stop with the stand-up. You got off the road. Well, yeah. I And also, you know, even when my show, the Ron and Ron show was an incredibly big show in Florida morning radio. I mean, it really exploded. And we got outside of Tampa into Miami and Orlando and Jacksonville and all that. And uh, so I pretty much focused on that. Then did a thing with the Disciples. I had Carl LeBeau. I had Jimmy Schubert, Mitchell Walters. A lot of the guys that had worked with Sam, this was after Sam passed away, mm-hmm. and we'd all go out and do theaters together. And I kind of got off the road and away from the clubs because, you know, everywhere I would go, it was a party. Yeah. It was Florida. Everybody was handing me a package yeah. wherever I went. Yeah. And it all climbed up my, my back. And I'm like, I really got to pick one direction to go here. Yeah. You know? And you, you really don't want to be that high and out of your mind in Florida because there's fucking alligators. There's alligators and you're doing rails off the alligators. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Florida is a whole weird scene. I don't know if it's humidity, but a, a lot of conversations was, hey, would you like to bang my wife? And if you're whacked out. You end up in some strange situations. Every day in Florida is a strange situation. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's it's really up to you to to have your own moral rudder. You can't, you can't, yeah. you, you can't really rely on that environment. Right. The community is pretty wide open. Yeah. All the time there. Yeah. Even uh, the retirement so, people. When you go down, like I got some relatives down there that retired down there. And yeah. and and they got social, they got the uh, uh, sexually transmitted diseases are rampant in the retirement homes. You know, my mother-in-law is in a retired village, right? I mean, just huge amounts of people. And she's like 80, and she's like, I can't stand the golf course. And I go, why? She goes, because everyone is smoking so much weed. And I'm like, what has happened to retired people? (laughs) And like, she didn't say marijuana or hey. funny cigarettes. She was like, you know, everyone's just smoking so much weed. Right. They just can't keep up right now. And she, and she knows what it smells like. And Yes. Yeah. And everyone's getting high on a golf course. And, you know, and the catch of the day is gonorrhea. It is. That's the catch of the day. Gonorrhea. <laughs> like, literally, when they say Florida is a swing state, it's exactly what it is. It's a constant... Yeah constant swing state i love the fact that florida is they have a hurricane season they know right. this shit's coming next year too yes yeah. yes and there's way too many people now like florida had no one living there until the air conditioner yeah yeah the air conditioner made that entire state just explode yeah and now you know there's just too many people, there's alligators and pools. Mm. It's just, it's insane. And then the hurricane comes in, washes it out, and then everybody moves right back into the flood zone. Yeah, yeah. And they go, oh my God, I lost everything. Of course you did. (laughs) 
You live six inches off the water. Yeah, it's going to happen again. And you're not. Like, yeah. I guess they figure, look, there's no state taxes. We'll listen to Gloria Estevan at the benefit and we'll rebuild. Because when I lived in uh, Miami one year, it was uh, the one of the years that um, they had won the World Series. Mm-hmm. And Gloria Estevan was at every single thing playing. And the weird thing about that community, the Hispanic community, like little kids, teenagers, mm-hmm. the parents, the grandparents, they all listen to the same music yeah. and they all dance the same exact way. There's no weird thing that takes place like between generations. Yeah. And they're great dancers. I remember being unbelievable. Down. Oh, I remember there was the improv used to be at a uh, coconut grove and the news cafe was open 24 hours and it just kick. It yeah. just kicks it just, all the time. The thing never slows down. Right. But it's the same music that they were listening to in the 1950s that they listen to today. Yeah. They, they were like, we've perfected it. We've got it down. This is it. Yep. Now we're going to teach future generations. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they also, for whatever reason, the furniture comes outside, the dining room tables in the street. Mm-hmm. Everybody is like, it's a block party. And you're like, what have they figured out that Caucasians have missed? You know what I mean? <laughs> We somehow are doing everything but enjoying our lives, enjoying family, yeah. enjoying music. They love it. They yeah. love life. Oh, we had a, we, when I was a kid, we had that outdoor barbecue thing. And my cousins would always go. We'd go over to my cousins in Long Island, and the garage door was always up. There was a hibachi. Remember the little hibachis? Oh, sure. Yeah, there's always a hibachi going, a beer cooler, and my uncle's is in a, a, a folding chair with white socks and sandals on. And, you know, like, now that we're in the quarantine, right, Mm. that's the stuff we miss. You know what I mean? We're like, it doesn't really take a ton of money to enjoy life. But sometimes when we're chasing money, we forget life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's the the other thing I wanted to ask you. And it, and it goes back to this, this, this man of mystery thing that you have about you. All right. Yeah. Because you do. You have this air of mystery about you. And I think it's because, one, you're not on social media. And... One of the things I love about doing the show with you is it's a safe environment for me because and I I think it comes from you is because you're not going out to get. I always feel like you're just offering what you have. And that's a pretty advanced state of being. Well, first of all, thank you very much, because that is that is the point of this. And it's not like when I was younger, I didn't do shock jock. I -hmm. did. You know what I mean? I was. You know, there was a couple of situations that really blew up big. And, you know, you keep chasing that kind of controversy over and over. And ONA went through the same thing. And, there, you know what I mean? Like, mm. you you keep trying to up that thing until, you know, it's kind of nightmarish. Uh, but, no, what I, what I want to do uh, is when I have a guest is, like, kind of bring out the best in that person. Mm -hmm. And I always compare it to this, particularly when it's an interview, because, you know, having people by and hanging out is kind of easy. But when you're doing a sit down interview Mm -hmm. with somebody, they're going to come in a little tense at first. And why wouldn't they? They've done press. They know that's out there. If you go back and listen to the unmasked, you can hear when the kind of key finally turns, and that person really starts to open up mm-hmm. because he knows, okay, somebody's not here to ask me about an ex-wife yeah. or a DUI or whatever. None of that stuff is really important. 
what to me what's always really important is creativity and the fact that we all come from different directions to get to it yeah uh and yet we're heading to the same place and I, and and for me that's spirituality you know what i mean that's literally instead of talking about religion the real spirituality is that we're inventing something and we're inventing that to share with other people yeah, that's that, that that that's very well put. And when you mention the unmasked, I just want to let everyone listening. Unmasked is a one-on-one interview show that you have on SiriusXM. Uh, I and I I really like the series. I know uh, I I love the one you did with Ricky Gervais at the at the cellar. Wasn't that a lot of fun? Yeah, right? that was a lot of fun. Uh, and that's how is that different? Because that's one-on-one. So how is that different for you on the radio show? Because the conversation does look effortless. Well, and, and hopefully, you got to work really hard to make it look easy, baby. You know, you do some research mm-hmm. and then you go in and have a conversation. You know, I don't hold notes uh, and I don't come in with any expectations other than we'll find that spot. That's the thing that I, uh, I believe in. Mm-hmm. And then the other interesting thing, and I learned this the first day that I did this thing. I did, I did two the first day, which was a little, you know, too much. But uh, but we, you know, since they set this all up at a club, they said at the last minute, I want to bring Patrice O'Neill in to do the second hour. And I go, well, I haven't done any work. And mm-hmm. they go, yeah, but we, you know, we're spending money to have this club and set up the video and everything. And I said, okay. And then while I was doing Patrice, it occurred to me, like, this guy is really, really smart and mm-hmm. really, really thoughtful. And that doesn't always, people don't always think of comedy that way, but it's very rare to to be really funny and not be a smart person. Uh, and and that, was the, that was the kicker for me. That was the exciting thing for me. What, um, do you recall something specifically where, where you, a moment where you said, wow, I didn't expect this, and this is what I can do with this, or this is what this one-on-one interview, this is what this show can be. I think there was a selfishness to me being turned on by uh, some of Patrice's philosophy and the fact that I had misjudged him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, As he was explaining what he wanted out of life, right. and he had really thought it out, I'm like, you know what? I just thought Patrice was a contrarian, um, funny, but a pain in the ass mm-hmm. and self-destructive. And I, I, I ended up knowing a person who wanted something out of life and was looking to build it, not have somebody else open the door. And he wasn't driven by just the same things that people think, people in show business driven by but he was looking at life on his own terms mm-hmm. and i found that to be fascinating you know i thought that was amazing and i always remember when he goes i just want one hundred thousand fans i don't want five million fans that's mm-hmm. unbearable well with a hundred thousand fans i can sell out clubs when i go to them and i can you know have projects and stuff that those people will feel served by. And I'm like, I've never heard anybody say that before. Yeah. You know, I never heard anybody go, I 
you know, I want to sell 10 great suits a year, not 10,000 shitty suits. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you wanted to be uh, somebody who had a boutique, yeah. not was being sold in Walmart. And that to me was fascinating. Um, I got and to spend time with him. I yeah. It, it, it's the thing about Patrice that that and and when you say you misjudged him because I had the same instinct because you know I you met him at the cellar, knew him. He was funny. We did a bunch of stuff together. Um, and, you, and then when when Tough Crowd came around, you did it. And if you saw Patrice on, you were like, "Well, I hope he doesn't turn on me." You right. Know? Right. And I remember I had a right when I did it. I had I had three in case he did. I had to have three comebacks right away. And I said, "I better prepare that." <laughs> I did have a couple of moments with Patrice where that door opened for me as well. One was right, right. before the end when he got diagnosed with uh, diabetes. We were doing a college together and my dad had uh, type two. And so it, it was a nice moment of Patrice. And I was giving him what I learned from caring for my father. And he always said, like what you said, he wanted the ability to keep working at his craft. He didn't look at the fame and what our profession can give us at the heights to fill right. an empty hole. He just wanted enough to to keep creating. And I remember talking to him and being very struck kind of by the same thing. And I remember telling, telling Patrice that my thing was, I I didn't have it verbalized that way, but I always wanted to see when I was a kid, I saw Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Remember the pyramid that they taught us in school and you know, it's food, clothing, shelter, love. And the top of it was self-actualization. And I never knew what it meant. And then one of my uh, one of my uncles, uh, my uncle Frank, my godfather, um, he said, you know, you got to do with what you got, you know, make the best of what you got. And my aunt Marianne said, you don't want to die with your music still in you. And I went, yeah, OK, that's good. Right. So that's that it, it, it's uh, that meter of saying I'm doing the best I can with what I got. And this is enough. Yes. Yeah. Um. You know, when you were talking about having those lines, Patrice came in and we just talked for a second and he was, and he might've even said this on the show. I can't even remember, but he goes, um, Hey, I really respect you. And I love listening to your show. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I don't know how you feel about me, but if you say some shit about me, I got some stuff I could say to you. (laughs) And that, and that made me laugh so hard because I think everybody walks in with that, yeah. but they don't say it. And that's the thing that was so unique and beautiful about him is that he did not, he didn't use any other experience other than his own mm. to say, oh, this is how this works. And I remember like, if you saw him do Letterman, uh, no, it wasn't Letterman, it was Fallon when Fallon was doing uh, the... Um, Late night spot. 12, the, the twelve thirty show. Yeah, he came out. He started talking to the band, and then he started talking to the audience, and finally turned around to talk to Fallon. And I'm watching it at my house. I'm going, "Have you never seen a talk show?" <laughs> and it was the same thing when he did the roast. The roast that everybody liked him for. He didn't do roast jokes. Mm. You know, he basically did, what is wrong with you people <laughs> doing fat jokes around me when I'm dying? Yeah. And I thought that was just hilarious. Yeah. He was always so funny that way. It was always that he was always settled in who he was. Uh, we did right. uh, Comics Come Home, and it was at the Aganis Arena. Huge. Uh-huh. And uh, he walked out with a, it was a gray shirt, I believe, and a gray new Yankees hat in Boston. 
And before he gets to the mic, they're booing him. And he just walked out there. He goes, what? You booing me? What? I don't care about the damn Yankees. Black people just care that shit matches. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Fuck it. And, and everyone turned around. He just turned he, around. Yeah. Just, he turned around just like he and, he and he's just started berating them and turned around. I don't even know if he did any did any time. I just remember sitting yeah. there going, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. But you, yeah, have that, that you have that settled in. And, and I apologize for the words. I, I'm trying to articulate it. You have that settled in yourself that you're not doing your being. Does that make any sense? No, I get it. I mean, I don't know whether, you know, I, I, I get that that's my motivation. No one really asks me about that, but it is true. And some of it just came from life experience uh, from when I was younger that I, I achieved some stuff on that local level that was stressful instead of fun. You know what I mean? And we've all yeah. seen, I mean, we know guys that have had the late night shows and, and weren't living a happy life with it. You know what I mean? Because somebody is always fooling around and trying to change it. TV mm. is horrible in a way that radio can be more freeing, mm. you know, cause the, uh, no one calls you in after and goes, why didn't you say that? Or could you say this? Yeah. You know, and they do that with TV all the time. Um, they, there's too many fingers in the pie all the time. They do it with film. And and that kind of stuff did not interest me. Um, and also, it really helps in your life to become an alcoholic or an addict and have to turn around and try to live a more sober life. You, you learn things mm. whether you wanted to or not. You know yeah. what I mean? Through, through sobriety. And I'm not here to sell anything to anybody. I'm just telling you that to get off drugs and alcohol, you do have to start to think, what do I prioritize? What am I here for? Yeah. And, uh, uh, two of those things, you know, one is gratitude. Mm -hmm. And, uh, two, you brought it up already. Like when you come on to do my show, it's service. Yeah. And, I realized if you come on and do my show, it's good for you, but it's also good for me. I don't need to top you. I don't need to show that I'm funny too, because I'm coming back yeah. to do the show tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? My name's I'll on have the door. my yeah. I'll have my time. Yeah. I'm not concerned about that. And I, um, you know, and I'm gonna name drop here from Unmasked, one of my early ones that was so great was Bob Newhart. Mm -hmm. And I, I had read all the stuff and I, and I love Bob Newhart. You know what I mean? I love him. And I, you know, you talk about magic when it comes to stand up. the fact that his pauses are, yeah. I mean, you and I can't even, we couldn't steal that pause. It's his, you yeah. know? And I sat and the club was comics. It's a nice big club. We're in the middle of the afternoon. There's, you know, three or 400 people. And I would set him up. And he would do that pause and then land the hammer, right? And the room would explode. But the exciting part was for me was I'm like, I'm sitting in Newhart's pause. I'm here for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can feel that tension. And then boom, he would drop the hammer and I would be, you know, I could feel the heat that would come to him. And then later uh, we got backstage. And by the way, He's a nervous guy before the show. He paces, so I started pacing next, you know. Mm -hmm, yeah. I kind of matched him and paced with him. 
But after the show, he said, um, hey, I want to thank you for letting those pauses exist. He goes, there's Carson used to do that all the time. It was, you know, it was why he was always my favorite show. He goes, a lot of the late night guys now jump in during yeah. that pause. They get nervous and try to have their own joke or guess where the joke's going. And he goes, it drives me crazy. This is, you know, this is, this is my act. This is that whole thing is my act. But I tell you, I set him up with the joke of, I go, you at one time had the number one and number two album at the same time. Mm -hmm. I go, nobody had done that again till Axl Rose. And, you know, it's a long pause. And he goes, well, at least I lost it to a friend. <laughs> and I mean, dude, to sit in that laugh was so amazing. And I'm like, he was 80 at the time. I was just with him a couple of weeks ago just sitting down doing this, and he's 90 years old. Mm. Still hilarious. Still all there, yeah. you know? And he's 90. And he came in, I'm like, oh, man, he really looks old now. And then we're, we're doing this, and he's getting some laughs, and I just see his eyes look like a child's eyes. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the great thing about comedy is that that thing comes back to people yeah. all the time. That energy that show energy it just it, it just courses through our veins and the fact that you had the awareness that you were sitting in that pause with new yes. heart right that's the and, that's the the being that's the awareness that you knew what was going on you didn't have to top it well i mean really what does anybody you know when it comes to like your favorite rock and roll mm -hmm. band or whatever you want to be backstage you want to be standing there yeah and if, you know, it, for me, it felt like if I was suddenly in between Mick and Keith, I wouldn't want to interrupt them. Yeah. I wouldn't want to change the song. Mm -hmm. I would want to experience what they felt. And uh, that was literally, uh, you know, w one of the great thrills of my life. Because I couldn't duplicate that. If Bob Newhart was just a writer and gave me those jokes, they mm -hmm. would be totally different. Yeah. They would probably sink. Yeah. You know what I mean? I couldn't do it. it it's something magical in his creativity that that makes that happen. And, and yes, I got to experience it. It yeah. was thrilling. And you knew enough to do that. I mean, when I say selfless, I mean the selfless part of not to do anything, but just to allow that to happen and right. to experience that stuff in the moment. And you're not on social media because being on social media, when I see people at my shows, they're, they're, they're taking pictures and recording me. I'm like, Look, I'm, I'm grateful right. you're here, but we're doing this now. What are you, why are you yes. doing this to try and relive it later? You're missing it now. And I try to explain that to kids, that what they're missing. I mean, I'm a big rock and roll fan. Mm -hmm. And some of the highest spots in my life, some of the real church moments where, you know, mm -hmm. Baptists and stuff, is when the concert kicks in, it doesn't always even last the whole show. Maybe mm -hmm. it's just a couple of minutes. But when everybody in the room goes, we're here, you know yeah. what I mean? This, this is the spot we've gotten to that place. And it's kind of shamanistic. It's, you know, when people used to dance around mm -hmm. fires, it's what we were looking for. It's what we're all lacking now in quarantine. We miss being connected to people. You know, you can feel it sometimes in the streets of New York or mm -hmm. you're in Washington Square Park and you, you're not just feeling your energy. You're feeling everybody's energy. Yeah. And that, you know, I mean, look at comedy. The way people can laugh in that club is not the way they can laugh in front of the TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
not even the way they can laugh with their friends. It's a different kind of laugh. Yeah, especially to sell it because the ceiling is so low. So the energy bounces up and down. And when you get a laugh and you let it and, and it lands and it dies down, if someone has a has a weird laugh or is just off a beat, then that yeah. that gets a laugh. And then, you know, that energy is, is coming from everyone's enjoying it. And then there's always somebody with a weird laugh that gets that energy. Then that yeah. happens. And that's the synergism. That's that's when it comes bigger than you. The last time I saw you at the cellar, you had that going mm-hmm. and everybody was laughing but me because I had to go up right after you. And I'm like, <laughs> they're not. I go, I, I had that thought of they're not going to do this twice in a row. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God. Well. I love doing your show. You're doing your show with your daughter now, Gail. It's the first yes. first father-daughter show in radio history. Yeah. And the first in radio history. Isn't yeah. that crazy? And that's yeah. one of the things that we wanted to do. You know, Gail grew up basically right on the other side of uh, the microphone her whole life. Fez was like her aunt. I mean, Fez was as close to my kids as I was. You know, right. he would be over all the time. When you're doing the show with Gail, it, it is a different energy. Sure. And how is that different for you to experience in doing the show with your daughter? The fact is, comedians do talk to children mm-hmm. different than non-comedians do. Comedians talk to kids as if they're people and right away. And, I, and when I figured that out, you know, because I went around and asking people, before I did, I go, is there any truth to this? How do you get along with your kids? And, you know, uh, I'm trying to, I think it was Louis C.K. who had that bit where, like, my my baby's an asshole. Yeah, my baby's such was, an asshole, yeah. Yeah, and that was shocking. But the, the funny thing behind that is he's treating that baby like a person, mm-hmm. not like something, you know. Yeah. And it's very, very true of comics that they'll say, What's up, dude? To a two-year-old, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. Uh, they'll crowd work small kids. It doesn't dawn on them that that isn't a fully evolved person already. Yeah. Um. And I and I think that part of it would kind of make an interesting book, even you know, um, the way. Uh, and and I think comics treat the elderly the same way. You know what I mean? There isn't. They don't change their tonality. They don't change. The way they they treat. Um, I I also think there's something really interesting, the way, and I think it's different than any other art form, is like a comic, is a comic, and uh, and you know you could have uh, a 22 year old woman in the show, uh, a 68 year old white guy, uh, a 27 year old black guy, a South Asian. It's still the same show. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in music. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't. You don't go. Here's hip hop. Here's classic rock. Here's blue jazz. Here's bluegrass. But in comedy, it's just comedy. It's mm-hmm. together. You know. And I, I think that's always the fascinating thing about comedy. Yeah, it's being. It's again, and it goes back to the vibe I always got from you. You're not going out to get. You're offering what you have. Right. And that that comes across on the show. And uh, and every time I, I hug everybody, every time I come into your show, I'm hugging yeah. everybody because I'm right. I, I'm generally happy to be there and to be able to uh, to be able to be in that space with you. And that's that's something I, I'm looking forward to when the world opens up, my friend, because uh, I really I really enjoy spending time with you. And I thank you so much for doing this for me. 
Hey, this is a pleasure. It's always great to spend time with you. You always kill on my show. I hope I just gave you a little bit. I love you, dude, and stay safe, okay? I love you too, my friend. And it's the Ron Bennington Show on Sirius. And Unmasked is a great one-on-one interview uh, that you can uh, can see Ron conduct. And um, he, he's really a good guy, and check him out. Thanks again, my brother. Peace. The Adam for our podcast is brought to you by cruiseintowellness.com. Now, let's say your goal in life is just to enjoy it, but you can't stop your mind from thinking and it's keeping you from doing just that. So what are you going to do? I suggest you start a podcast with the people you love and try and figure it out. Don't be silly. You're right. It's a lot of work. Just go to cruiseintowellness.com. They have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products, the bath bubbly thing. Yes, my favorite. And I'll tell you what. 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. Ooh. Yes. Please make that noise again. Ooh. Thank you. Cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. This is Ron Bennington, and that was 30 minutes that I'll never get back. I really enjoyed talking to Ron. Yeah, it was so great hearing him again, man. Yeah, he's a good guy. And I'll tell you, as a radio guy, hearing him talk about just fill time and just be funny, yeah. dead yeah. on. Love that. <laughs> Yeah, I got to be it tomorrow and you won't be here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. 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 And I, I thought he must have really liked you because it seemed that he doesn't give a lot of interviews. Yeah. And you guys were talking about some really cool, deep insider stuff. I mean, what you were saying about your friend Patrice. Yeah. That was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he was a, Patrice was a very unique guy. Like you said, you just didn't want him to turn on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If he turned on you at the cellar, there's a table at the cellar where the the the, um, uh, the show Tough Crowd is with Colin Quinn. That's what it was. It was the cellar table. It was a debate, and if he turned on you, he be- could be vicious. Yeah, because of his wit. Yeah, he he was funny, and uh, and he could he could just pick you apart. So you always had to have something loaded in your head. <laughs> I love that. You know, people. No, I don't love it at all. It was uh, <laughs> you're on edge. Was, but we're on TV, and I'm sitting there going, "I got to write." So I had a load. Yeah. Come back. I actually had a uh, uh, really. You breaking my balls, Malcolm Triple X? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. You had to go in there armed. You had to be armed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I call. I, I don't know if it made TV or I did it. I called him Harriet Tubbelard. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was a big, heavy dude. Yeah. Well, I think those kinds of people, people who are witty and smart, make mm-hmm. you better. Yeah, they they also strike fear in your heart too. But, <laughs> fear yeah. is a good incentive. Yeah, but no, and he was a great, great comic, Patrice. Yeah, I was really sad when he passed away, man. He was. He was a kind soul, too, man. If you hung out with him and, he was you know. Big. He wasn't kind at all. <laughs> <laughs> to me, he was. He called me Scagnetti all the time. I never, like, I was hanging, me, him, and Bobby Kelly one night. We were outside the cellar, and he's like, you're Scagnetti. I go, okay. I have no idea what that means. He goes, if you were having a cop show, your name would be Scagnetti. I go, all right, why not Tagnetti? No, fuck that. Scagnetti. I go, okay. So every time I'd see him, hey, Scagnetti. I'm like, I'm not Scagnetti. Why do you keep calling me that? It was funny when it was because Patrice would always march to his own. To, he didn't care what the rules were. Dennis, after, after the cop show I was on, the job got canceled. Dennis Leary produced a pilot with me and Lenny Clark called Lenny and Adam for Comedy Central. It was like the odd couple. It was just me and Lenny. And one of the scenes where we had to rent an office to write a script for Dennis. And uh, Patrice supposed to be my cousin. That was the game, right? So we're supposed to speak Italian to each other. <laughs> Three days, I'm learning the scene in Italian, right? And, and I go to see Patrice, and we're, okay, we're ready to run the scene. 
Yeah, man, I I didn't learn any of this shit. I don't <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's come up with something else. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't care. But there was he's there your was, cousin who doesn't know Italian. Yeah, he's a, yeah. Forget forget the fact he's a big black guy. He's a big black guy who doesn't want to learn Italian for this yeah. season. Now we got we got to do this again. <laughs> so he was this big presence, but there was the gentleness also. Uh, in Patrice's being, we were doing a college together. I mentioned this in the interview. We were doing a college together, and he just got diagnosed with type 2, and my father uh, had type 2. So we, we had a nice conversation in the back of the car. He's like, you know, I don't want to – I I don't want to go. You know, he, he was – it was just – it was a very – it was a very unexpected conversation. And he goes, I got to take him care of myself. I can't mess around anymore. And on the way home, he went through Wendy's. He spent $60 at the drive through and ate it all himself. <laughs> I was like, what conversation we just have? <laughs> I'm going to take care of myself after these burgers. That's yeah. it. Tomorrow. <laughs> wow. But the thing that came out of that conversation that I want to talk to you guys that we, we talked about at the beginning of the show was knowing what you want out of life, which I think makes sense. Otherwise, you're chasing stuff to keep you happy, but you don't know what happy is. That's me. That's you? Or yeah, I'm always chasing shit, whatever it is. That's why I buy cars and move. And, you know, I'm trying to find something to make me. I'm still searching. I don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is. What about just being satisfied with who you are? He can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How the hell do you get there? <laughs> yeah. Do you have the secret? I'll do it. Yes. You shut your mind off. That's what I want to do. I got to say it's, it's I got to stop thinking. I'm looking at it this way. If I can fix stuff inside, the outside will be better. I got no control over the outside. I only got control over the inside. If I could just stop thinking, I could feel what's a, what life is about. Or just exhaust yourself. I'm so close to that. <laughs> I don't care. I really, look, I, I, I really had it with me. <laughs> give me a timeout, damn it. Oh, God. Okay. What the hell is this Maslow theory that you read as a kid? Is it Maslow or is it Mar- Philip Marlowe? Who the hell is this? I don't know. <laughs> Marlo Thomas? Who are you reading? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh, Abraham Maslow. They didn't teach you that as a kid? The Abe Maslow, not a guy I'm familiar with. They didn't teach yeah. us that in my, in, in my neck of the woods. No. Thank right. you, Mark. I didn't know either. I had to look it up. Um, I'll third that. That's what I need. Now you three are turning on me. It's bad enough. <laughs> it's bad enough. I'm yelling at me. Now I got you guys joining in. Well, you talk about this guy like it was part of the core curriculum for every school in the country. Yeah. I, I was a kid. They taught it to me in school. I thought you went to school. I'm sorry. Well, I, I think maybe this is part of your problem, Adam. What? You're too structured in this Maslow thing. You know mm. why? Go ahead. Because I looked it up and they updated it. Okay. Did they take away the stuff that I learned? <laughs> no. Well, then how could I be squished? They added to it because something was missing. Okay, well, let's hear it. The apex was missing. I don't know. What, what the, do you top. the top. The top was your triangle. Le- when I learned it, the top was self-actualization. Well, they added to, they topped that. Now, now, let me guess. Self-actualization and a bag of cash. I'm right. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> no. so maslow updated it when did he do that oh when he realized that something was missing that son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) he added on the top of the triangle on the apex a higher purpose so that higher purpose is is now above Uh self-actualization okay and it completes it It in his until he idea. comes up with something else, this pain in the ass. I'm trying to figure it out. 
Well, I think he's dead. He's dead. So you're safe. Well, right. Adam, Adam, yeah. I actually have a quote here from uh, from Abe Maslow. That really is his name. <laughs> right. Um, and this this ties into exactly what Alex was just saying. He said, I went to the doctor. I went to the mountains. I looked to the children. I drank from the fountains. There's more than one answer to these questions pointing me in a crooked line. That's what he said? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That was the Indigo Girls. I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I was going to say, Abraham Maslow was a Jew from Brooklyn. You're like, look, I went to the mountains. I went to the doctor. And God, I to the children. I drank from the fountain. <laughs> only, only Adam has read my book. I drank from the fountain, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. You know what? It is? There's a piece. Mi- aha. Aha. There's a piece missing in the pyramid. Higher purpose. Higher pipers. Oh, man. All right. You feel better, Adam? No. No. <laughs> I don't know what the hell any of you are talking about. I, I, I don't feel better it at all. Sounds like Phil's missing the piece, too. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. Well, Alex is Alex always comes up whenever whenever I get whenever I get all spun out and everything. Alex always comes up. You have to trust your journey. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I have trust issues. No, I have- <laughs> what? All I do is just give you a look, walk the other way, and just let you calm down. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing about about Ron. I mean, Ron seems very centered in himself. He's not. He's not running out. To, I think I said in the interview, you're not running out to get. You're just being or something like that. Mm-hmm, you did. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Yeah. That was great. That was great. But he just, uh, he just, he, he, that just comes out of him. And it is a very calming thing. And you know what I liked when you said that he was so humble about mm-hmm. it. He's like, well, I don't really know. I'm just who I am. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And he said two key words, gratitude and service. Oh, I like that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, he probably, he probably read the updated pyramid. Yeah, or Matt, or Matt, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He got the email. (laughs) But I love that, the idea of being present, and the way you guys talked about it, like when you're at a comedy show or a concert or something like that, and you see all these people with their cell phones out videotaping the moment so that they can enjoy it later on, and Mm -hmm. while that's going on, you guys are dead right. They're not in that moment enjoying it while it's going on, and that always drives me nuts. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like what the concert thing is right when it gets to be like communal and tribal and almost shamanistic is what he said, Mark. Oh yeah, I experienced that one. All right, I, I'll tell you this: story. I'm a kid. I went to go see Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes at the Westbury Music Fair, and you know who showed up to play with him? Bruce Springsteen. Wow, wow, Springsteen because they were from Asbury Park. So they're doing the song together. And the song, you know, the song "We're Having a Party." We're having a party. Everybody oh yeah. Swing. That's the song they're singing. We're all singing at this little music. It's two thousand seats in the round, and we were all singing. And when when Ron said that, it all it, it came right back to that moment for me. See music. When you lose yourself in the in the moment in that crowd at a concert, mm-hmm. when you recognize that everybody is like on the same exact vibration level, mm-hmm. oh, this is just the best. It really yeah. is. Yeah. See, see, Mark, the key is when if, if I recognize we're all in the same vibration, that thought takes me out of the vibration. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. yeah. It's like I can't think. You just have to be. And mm-hmm. then, you know, once, once you be, you know, that's when you can enjoy like just staying in that state when everything works out. Synchronicity comes your way. Your 
you're in a flow with the universe, you're, you're, you're living in service at the top of the pyramid, or you're high in a golf course with Ron's mother. <laughs> <laughs> How great was that? Oh, that was awesome. That was yeah, great. My, I immediately thought about my mother because, uh, you know, we have a sponsor on the show, Cruise Into Wellness. Yes. <laughs> Love Cruise Into Wellness. And yeah. they send my mom the gummies, and she loved it. But she was a little nervous at the very beginning. She said, I don't want the marijuana in this house. <laughs> <laughs> the like it's evil. Like yeah. it's evil or something. I, I, it's just it's CDB. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What's a vapor pen? Okay, Ma. <laughs> but yeah, in, in her community, and, and, and it's true, there's all kinds of there's syphilis. Now, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. You hear yeah. in senior like facilities all the time it's mm-hmm. like caligula it's crazy what they just don't care they don't care they don't care yeah outbreaks of of, of, of venereal disease well mm-hmm. welcome to boca de la vista <laughs> good right. the good news is i don't have to worry about my mother i'm not gonna date anymore your father was the only man for me plus i got the vertigo i can't even lay down <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she has the Outlander. Yes, it still creeps me out when I call my mother. I'm watching the Outlander. Oh, he has such a beautiful body. <laughs> Ma, shower. <laughs> He's a handsome Scottish man. Okay. <laughs> How funny is that? Ron's mother going, there's so much weed on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Stop smoking out there. <laughs> apparently, apparently, Cheech moved down there now. <laughs> Selling cups. I got a cup of weed for you. (laughs) She'll make par. (laughs) Uh, But I really enjoyed talking to Ron. Uh, The Ron Benedict Show on Sirius XM Radio is a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, I want to thank him for being my guest. Uh, Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And uh, if you could tell a friend about the show, that would be a great help to us as well as leaving a review because that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. Please remember, life is hot. Take it easy on yourself. The pot has ended. Don't be. It took me a long time to learn that worry is not responsibility. Yes, young lady. I, I got taught, do good for others. Yeah, it doesn't work. It works. You just don't want to do it. I, I just, I just need a bag of cash. Oh man! Do unto others before they can do unto you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well. Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.